2: This is Playing Around with Paige Renee.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Playing Around. And I'm your host, Paige Renee. So I am doing a solo episode today. I have some travel coming up. And I'm very excited about it. It's kind of the first event that I'm doing in a very long time. So it's gonna be so much fun. But uh, recording it by myself, which I'm a little nervous about because I've never done this before. And hopefully I can keep you guys entertained just on my lonesome. But I think it's gonna be a fun episode. We are going to first off get into the John Rom controversy that lit up social media. A lot of people have a lot of different thoughts about this. And then the rest of the episode, I am doing a QA. I put a story up on my Instagram and I said, Ask me anything and also some misconceptions that you have about me. And so we are going to get into that a little bit later. But let's talk about John Rom. This is uh, a shocking development. I did not see this coming. But John Rahm on Saturday at the memorial tested positive for COVID. He had a six-shot lead, and they the officials told him after he played on the 18th green in front of everyone on camera, and it was really hard to watch. Uh, you could tell that John Rom was visibly upset, and he didn't really know how to react. And obviously, it's a very difficult situation, and a lot of people were saying that the PGA Tour didn't handle this all that correctly. I will say that my first instinct was to be like, why did they, why did they do it the way that they did it? So why did they go to John Rom on the 18th green in front of everyone? And of course, I know the reasoning is because they wanted to tell him so he could put a mask on and not touch any other fans or maybe infect any of the other players. But I think that they still could have said and said, Hey, John Rom, you have COVID. Literally in front of everyone, they could have said, We have some news. Can you please put your mask on and not talk to anyone? The PGA Tour put out an official statement and they said on the evening, Monday, May 31st, the PGA Tour notified John Rom that he was subject to contact tracing protocols as he had come in close contact with a person who was COVID positive. The tour's COVID health and safety plan. Rom was given the option to remain in the competition and enter our tracing protocol, which includes daily testing and restricted access to indoor facilities. Uh, Rom has remained asymptomatic. Rom tested negative every day, but his most recent test, which was performed after the conclusion of his second round, the rain delay, and before the start of his third round, Returned positive at approximately 4:20 p.m. Eastern Time when Rom was on the golf course. The PGA Tours medical advisor requested another test on the original sample, which came back again at 6:05 PM Eastern Time and was also positive. So this is where it's also dicey. Some people were saying that. If the tour knew that he tested positive, why didn't they take him off of the golf course right then and there? Other people were saying, well, that they did the right thing. They didn't take him off the golf course right away because there are, you know, results that come back and maybe they're not true or they're faulty or something's wrong with them. And so you run them again just to double check. And so they did that and it came back positive. Uh, Oh, it's just so hard. I <laughs> I don't feel qualified to really be talking about this or to give my opinion on this. I think it is just such a hard situation to discuss and talk about, like, who did the right thing and who didn't do the right thing. Again, it just really sucks for Rom in all of this. But at the same time... If people aren't taking the precautions in their life to keep themselves safe, this is something that can happen. And I think that he needs to be aware of that. Also, I don't know if he has been vaccinated or has not been vaccinated. Um, He so far hasn't come out and said it. No one has also confirmed or denied it. I have also heard that if you are a tour player and you have been vaccinated and you can show proof of your vaccination, then you are no longer required to be tested um, week in and week out. So the fact that he is being tested probably means that he isn't vaccinated. But again, I don't feel comfortable speaking on that. I really don't want to offend anyone when I talk about this because this is so personal to so many people. I feel bad for him again because he was leading the tournament. He set the scoring record and then all of this happened. I wish they handled it in private and it wasn't so public. I really felt for John Rom in that situation. I mean, people get sick. It's just kind of what happens. And sometimes, even if you are extremely careful in everything that you do, you could still get it. And so, when things like this happen, not only in golf, but in just our society, it is difficult to speak on it and talk about it and what they should have done and what they shouldn't have done. And especially when it comes to someone's personal medical history and their personal decisions to do something, I just don't feel comfortable getting involved in that. And I know I should probably be more of a spokesperson and a leader, but it's really hard sometimes. Like it honestly is really hard to sit here and tell people what I think they should and shouldn't do. I think when it comes to this, listen to the people who know what they're talking about. (laughs) And again, I do feel bad for Rom. It is what it is. So (laughs) let's just, let's move on to the question and answer portion of this episode. Okay. So Biggest misconception is you can't golf when you'd kick most of our asses easily. Yeah, people always assume that I am not a very good golfer, and that's false. I could probably beat 99.9% of the people who play golf. I have been doing this for a very long time. I played at a really high level in junior golf. I had a D1 full-ride scholarship at uh, SDSU played pretty decent there. And then I played professionally for a year where I ended up getting a pro win. So I have played at a very high level. And even now I don't practice all that much. All I do is play. I play well. I will always shoot in the low seventies. My good rounds will be in the high sixties. And mm, truthfully, I don't put everything out all the time because I don't like Putting three footers or four footers. I don't want to stress over them anymore, but I can still hold my own on a golf course. And I would say I've never played with someone unless they are a professional golfer who has been better than me. So, yeah, I have played well. And I think that's really frustrating because I've dedicated so much of my life to playing golf and working with the best instructors in the world and being really knowledgeable about my sport and wanting to share that knowledge with other people and when they tend to tell me, you don't know what you're talking about or why are you trying to help us when you can't even break, you know, 90 and I'm giving you all of this information for free. I've paid thousands of dollars in lessons for this information and I'm giving it to you for free. So you should probably want to take it. So that's sometimes really frustrating because I care so much about what I do and how much hard work I've put into it. But again, at the end of the day, I know I can go to a golf course and hold my own against pretty much anyone, and I have a lot of confidence in that. When did you decide golf was the direction you wanted to dedicate your life to? So I was a competitive gymnast for the early years of my life. I started when I was, I would say, six or seven, and I did it until I was 12, almost 13. I got to a really high level. I was an elite gymnast, which is the highest level you can get to. I wanted to go to the Olympics. That was my goal. And I ended up having some really bad injuries. I've told this story before, so sorry if you guys are sick of hearing this, but fractured my kneecap twice and I also had a bad birthday for the Olympics. You have to be 16 or turning 16 in the year of the Olympics, and I would have missed it. So I would have, the first time I've been able to compete was when I was 18 years old, and that's a little past your prime when you're a gymnast. And I didn't love it either. And so it was a really hard decision for me to quit because my whole identity, even at a young age, was page the future Olympian and that was with all of our family friends. I would go to the dentist, I remember, and they would be like, we're so proud of you. You're gonna be an Olympian. And it was really difficult for me to say, Actually, I'm not. You know, I decided to quit. And even in the very beginning when I would say that, people would just give me this look of disappointment. And I just felt like I was letting everyone down, especially, you know, the people who were close to me because I had all this talent and this ability to, you know, be something great and be something special. And I didn't do it. I decided to quit because it wasn't for me. And so I sat down with my parents and I said, I want to be a pro athlete. Let's pick a sport. So, I first tried tennis because my aunt was a professional tennis player. She was ranked number eight in the world. She put me through a boot camp. I hated it, just wasn't for me. I, it was a little too similar to gymnastics, and I just quit that and had a lot of trauma from being a gymnast. And so, I wish I actually stuck with tennis. I think I would have been a better tennis player than I was a golfer. I think I just have a better personality to be a tennis player and I'm very athletic and I like, you know, the competitive side of it. And with golf, you don't really have to be all that athletic. (laughs) And I was always so nervous and I could never channel that. And I think I could have channeled that with tennis and used it to help me in golf. I could never do that. So I digress. I then moved to golf after tennis and I loved it right away. My dad took me to my very first lesson (laughs) and I remember hitting the first golf ball well and I was hooked. I was instantly hooked on golf and I practiced every single day, eight hours a day. I played all the time. I was obsessed with it and I wanted to be on the LPGA tour. I almost actually didn't even go to college because I wanted to turn pro right after high school. My parents decided that college was a better route for me. Thinking back on it now, I think if I really wanted to be a professional golfer, college was something that really hurt me in the long run. I didn't have a great college golf experience, and I wish I just kept what I was doing because I was a successful junior golfer. I think I would have had a better shot of making it on tour, but I learned so much in college, and I wouldn't be the person I am today without all of the hardships that I faced in college, so... It's hard to say if it was better or worse in the long run. But yeah, I always wanted to be a professional athlete. That is just something that I really wanted to do. I was striving for, I was working so incredibly hard to do that. And it's still something that keeps me alive every single day that I didn't make it (laughs) in gymnastics and in golf. So moving on, why aren't you a reporter for a network? I get this question a lot I have been approached here and there to do, you know, network TV shows, um, like reporting or like being on air talent. And honestly, it's just not for me. It's not something that I'm going to say no to for the rest of my life. But I feel like my sweet spot is digital media, where I have the freedom to create what I want to create instead of having someone tell me what I need to say and when I need to say it. I like having the freedom to have my own opinions. I like being independent. I just love what I do. I like doing digital media. I feel like I'm really good at it, and that's where I want to stay. Does being attractive make life 10 times easier? (sighs) Yes and no. I would say that I've gotten a lot of opportunities and some would say that I only have a career based off of my appearance. I have used my body and my looks to get ahead. I think that being in sports, it's a very male-dominated industry and it's hard for women to get really any respect but any opportunities and so you have to do things to set yourself apart or to get ahead and for me people liked looking at me and i never really saw that as a negative if i had a following or a platform or if i didn't i would still dress this way if i was going out i just tend to lean more on the sexy side and I don't see anything wrong with that. I think it is a problem though when women do feel like they have to dress sexy when that is not their innate personality to be something they're not to get ahead. I don't want women to ever feel that way and I wish that they would get more opportunities and they didn't have to do certain things that made them uncomfortable. But for me, it doesn't make me uncomfortable And I think you have to use every advantage you can in life because it is highly competitive. And this is just something that I have found that works for me. I I like doing it and it makes me feel good dressing sexy. And I find, you know, nothing wrong with that. Next question. What's your best round and where was it? I shot a 63 at the farms. That was just like a fun round of golf. So not in a tournament. My lowest score in a tournament was a 64. I shot that a couple times. I think I shot it. I can't remember the course. This is all in junior golf when I was actually good. It was at uh, Broken Tee, I think, in Colorado, and then a course here in Arizona. I can't remember the name, but played really well both times. I shot 65 at Greyhawk and a couple other low rounds. Do you give yourself the deserved credit for overcoming your anxieties? No, I don't think so. Because I don't feel like I've actually overcome my anxiety. I think what you guys see on social media is the best version of myself, and I really try not to do that. I try to be as vulnerable and open about my life and my struggles as I possibly can, but I'm not going to document myself when I am in the fetal position on the floor, in the corner, having a panic attack and bawling my eyes out. (laughs) You guys don't see that side of things, and that happens a lot. Uh, I have crippling social anxiety and I overthink everything and it gets to the point where it's so exhausting and I can't live because I'm just living in this battle with myself. I can never just sit back and relax and enjoy something because I'm always worried about something else that's going to be happening coming up or it could be, you know, troubles with a Friendship or relationship, or you know, anything like that. I overthink everything, every single thing. Even if I had an awkward interaction with someone at a supermarket, I will stress about it. And I have tried everything, like truly everything, to help myself. CBD really does help me, but at times it's still not livable. And I think. It's more like accepting it now instead of feeling like I've overcome it. I don't think I will ever feel like I have overcome my anxiety. I think this is something that I just have to deal with. And so now it's just accepting that. Next question. Are you the sole person in control of your content? So yes, I control all of my social media. No one else has access to my Twitter or my Instagram my TikTok. I do everything myself. All of the ideas that you see, all of the contents that that, that is posted, all of the captions, all of the messages back, all of the comments. That is all me doing it. And I think that's really important to building a very loyal community, which I feel like I have done. You guys are amazing and so incredible. And I love you guys so much. But I think it's because you don't feel like I don't care about you guys. I think sometimes you do. Because I get some questions from people being like, why don't you ever respond? And I really do truly try my best to respond to as many people as I possibly can. But it can be difficult at times when I'm getting, you know, thousands of messages a day. And I still have to live my life. I spend hours and hours on my phone trying to connect with everyone, and that can be exhausting. But it's why I have my job, and I love what I do, and I love being be, being able to connect with as many people as I can. And I feel like we're not just, you know, I'm a content creator and you're my followers. I feel like you guys are my friends. And even when I do this podcast, I'm actually really enjoying doing this solo podcast because I'm just imagining You guys sitting in front of me and it's like we're having a conversation and I really want it to feel like that I want you to feel like I'm your friend because I truly view you guys as my friends and Another one of the questions was, uh, do you ever look at, you know, your followers' profiles? And I do. If you guys comment all the time, I do look at your profiles. Like, I know your name. I know your face. I know who you guys are. And I and I love that. And that's why I said I want to keep doing this. I want to keep connecting. And I will never give anyone control of my um, socials for that reason. So we're going to take a little bit of a break. And we will continue with this Q&A when I return.
2: Ooh. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, and we're back. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. I I got a little choked up in that last question when I was talking about you guys being so amazing. I had to hold it together and if you've listened to my podcast before you know I'm not good at holding it together so I'm gonna give myself a little pat on the back for that one. I was really close to breaking down because you truly do mean so much to me and I wouldn't be where I am without you guys so before I start crying again let's get into the next question. <laughs> How, where did you learn the business side of the influencer thing after being a pro? It just kind of came naturally to me, to be honest. I think it helped me that I never took, I did take some business classes in college, but not a lot. I wasn't, I was supposed to be a business major. I ended up changing it because I didn't like it. So it's funny that I do what I, that I'm doing what I'm doing now because I did not like the business side of it. I think a lot of it comes to intuition and building personal relationships and trust with people. I trust my gut feeling 100% of the time, and it's been really successful. I feel that the times that I have listened to other people are the times that I have been led astray. The times that I have trusted myself and stood my ground are the times that I have been most successful. And not everything that I've done has been successful, but I I would say I have a pretty good success rate with the deals that I have done and how you guys like the brands that I interact with. Because I have built such a connection with you guys, I feel like I know what products you're going to like and which ones you don't like. I don't always get it correct but that's where the business side comes. It's knowing my audience and knowing what you guys are going to like. If I just start promoting skinny tea, for example, or, you know, there's been some female brands that have been interested in working with me, and even though that's something I am personally interested in, I know I have a male-dominated audience and you guys would not be interested in it. So, it's knowing your audience, it's knowing how to create really great and fun engaging content i think when i have worked with brands i have been a great advocate for myself and standing up for the content i know i need to create compared to having them tell me what i need to create i think that's where a lot of influencers get lost is because when they start working with big brands you can feel overwhelmed very quickly they're going to tell you what you need to do when you need to post it uh, the caption you need to post and that has happened to me And I have stood my ground. I said, absolutely not. I am not posting that. I'm going to post what I know is going to work. And that has backfired. (laughs) Sometimes I have lost deals because of it, but most of the time it has worked out well. And in the end, I'm happy, you guys are happy, and the brand is happy because we've done something really positive and great, and it's been mutually beneficial. So that's part of being successful in business. I think another thing too is being confident. I know I'm very sharp and I'm smart and I know what I'm talking about. And even though they might not see it, I know that. And so I have this confidence when I go into meetings. And again, it goes back to standing your ground and knowing what you do best and in standing up for yourself. And I have done that as well. I don't think I've ever been scared or shy when it comes to business, which is very much opposite of my personality and everything that went wrong in golf in my life comes down to not having confidence. So it is bizarre and so weird that I have this natural confidence when it comes to business. And I don't know why (laughs) at all. Maybe it's this feeling like I need to prove myself to other people, but I had that in golf too, and it backfired. So I really don't know. Um, But I just feel very confident in my interpersonal skills, my business skills, and knowing what works and what doesn't work. Is there an OnlyFans coming soon? So I have answered this question quite a lot, but I don't think I've actually given you guys a great response on why. So the first thing is, I'm really sick of people glamorizing OnlyFans. So if I signed up for an OnlyFans, I would probably make a shit ton of money right away. And so these girls, they sign up for OnlyFans and they're like, holy shit, I'm making a a a month. This is awesome. Well, that's just because everyone signed up all at once. And I don't... You don't have to go nude when you do OnlyFans, but let's just say that you start out just wearing lingerie and bikinis. After a while, people are going to unsubscribe and you're not gonna be making as much money. So then you're gonna to have to start to push the limits more and more and more. Another thing too is when you go to jobs, It's going to be on your background check. Everyone's going to see that you have an OnlyFans. And I wish we lived in a sex positive society where people would look at that and not bat an eye. But that's not the case. You are going to be judged immediately and probably not get the job. So if I had an OnlyFans, I would my career would be over. I would not get any more brand deals. I would not be able to work with any companies. And that's the sad truth of the matter. I'm not looking down at anyone who does OnlyFans. More power to you, babe. Like, I'm all for that. But for me and the career path that I want to go to, it's just not smart. And it's not something that I can see a long-term plan with. Yes, I can make a lot of money up front right away, but I know that that's going to dry out probably in three years or so, maybe even less. And especially if I don't want to keep pushing the limits, which I I don't want to do, then it could probably just be a year before people just get bored with your content. That is why I don't want to get an OnlyFans. I just don't see it being beneficial to my career at, at all in any way, and no amount of money would make that worth it. I want to keep doing what I'm doing for a very long time, and if I went the route of OnlyFans, I don't see that happening. This good. That's good. next question after that. What's the highest offer you have ever turned down? I have turned down a lot of brand deals and for a fair amount of money because it just didn't feel right to me. And this goes back to the business side of things and also connecting with you guys as an audience. There's no point of promoting something if I know you guys are going to hate it. So even though it is a lot of money, I don't want to sell out because I don't want to ruin the trust that I have with you guys. I think people just see me posting on Instagram and they're like, how do you make money? Or how do you have a career? There is so much that goes on behind the scenes and all of the brands that I work with and have worked with over my career. There's a lot that goes into it with the planning, the content schedule, the traveling, the events that you do. There's a lot of activations that are happening that you guys probably don't even realize because (laughs) I'm good at what I do. I pick things that are interesting to you guys you would tell right away if I was promoting something that one I didn't like and that you guys didn't like because it would come off very fake and inauthentic to who I am. Sometimes you can't even tell when I'm doing branded content because it's something that I love and I've already posted about a billion times before and you don't even realize it. But yeah, um, that is why I've turned down big deals because it just doesn't fit my brand, doesn't fit the plan that we've set in place and it's not beneficial for you guys and I know you're not going to like it. When did you realize your IG fame was taking off more than your golf career? So... I, I've, again, I've told this story so many times, so I'm sorry if you've heard this too. <laughs> again and you're like, Page, shut up about it. So I was just out of college and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life. I knew I wanted to play golf professionally, but after a rough couple years in college, I didn't know if I had the passion for golf anymore. So my dad said, let's give it one more year. Let's give it a shot. Let's just see what you can do when you have no school You're back at home. You have the support of your parents. And you're practicing on your own time. So I was playing tournaments. But I was posting golf pictures and golf swings just because that's all I was doing. I was literally going out with my mom to Patty Jewett in Colorado to practice. And we would just post a swing here and there or a picture and thought nothing of it. I ended up getting picked up by... Total frat move. And the article went viral, and overnight I gained, you know, 50,000 followers. I don't know. It was like an insane amount of followers. And I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know what to do. But I was still playing during all of this. And even though my IG fame or career was taking off, I was also playing really well in golf. <laughs> and that was, you know, becoming a thing too. And I, you know, my first cactus tour event, I, you know, shot under par, I cashed a check. And I was like, okay, like, maybe I can do this. But the IG fame was just funding my golf career. So I never thought of that as a real career. I thought it was just something to help me in my real career that I wanted to do, which was playing golf full time. I would say probably... A year and a half, two years into it after the second time I played in Dubai when my Instagram fame and career was really taking off. But I I was doing it half-assed. Like I was not putting really any effort into it or trying because I wanted to play golf full-time. I never thought or put priority into my Instagram career or social media career. When I started to play bad and I couldn't do both, that was the hardest part. When I would go to a tournament that, you know, I was given a sponsor invite to and I had to do media work before for 6 hours and I wouldn't even have time to do a practice round. And I was going to these tournaments and I was splitting my time between both of them and I couldn't do both of them well. And I wasn't playing well. I was not having fun on tour. It was just miserable. And so I said, "Okay, I'm going to just try this, you know, Instagram stuff because I just hate playing golf. It wasn't because I was like, oh, I'm making more money doing this than I am playing golf, so that's why I'm going to do it. It was just because... I hated what I was doing, and I was so low at that point in my life. And I was like, well, (laughs) social media should be better. Like, it can't get any worse than this. And I was right. It it got significantly better after I stopped playing and I put all my focus into my media work. I think I thrive in digital media. I think this is what I should be doing. It's not that I didn't have the talent to play. I just think that it wasn't for me. I didn't have the right disposition for it the mindset it just was not for me media work is where I think I shine and it shows with the numbers that I have in my following and the business that I have built I was not that successful when I was playing golf but I am highly successful with what I'm doing here so I think I made the right decision (laughs) are you on the points bet ads yeah I am so As you guys know, I work with the PointsBet, they're amazing, and they run um, a lot of ads in the states, I think mostly, that um, are legal to gamble in. So if you live in like Colorado, you probably see me, Um, but it's really cool, I love working with them, it's been something that's new and challenging for me. Because I've only really worked in golf and I love so many other sports and it's nice now that I'm able to talk about other sports. For example, hockey is going on. I love talking about hockey and I've been able to do that and talk about betting with it. And it's been challenging, but it's been so much fun. Why do you let mean things that people say about you bother you when you're so much better than that? So here's the thing with mean comments you get mean comments and it is so hard to ignore them especially when they are unbelievably ignorant and so off-based of what the reality or the truth is and it's not like i get one mean comment and a thousand nice ones and i'm like i'm only responding to that one if you look on my instagram i respond to a lot of comments majority of them are nice comments and then i will only respond to the mean comments when i can say something snarky back I get hundreds of thousands of hate comments daily. So yeah, if I want to respond to one of them and stand up for myself, I feel like I have the power to do so and I want to do so. Next question. You hate Rick Shields. I do not hate Rick Shields. We are totally fine. There was a little incident that happened where he brought up a question. I've talked about all this before. I responded very... (laughs) Very aggressively and then he apologized we are all good he is the best he's amazing at what he does and check out his youtube channel what made you change your mind and become pro push cart yes so i called people who use push carts bitches, and i was very adamant about that and i said no one will ever change my mind you know i was myself just being a huge bitch when i said that Because my experience with push carts was those really shitty ones that you drag behind yourself with like the two big wheels and they just like catch your leg the entire time. And so when you're like walking, your arm just keeps hitting the back of your thigh and it is the most uncomfortable walking experience you could ever have. I didn't know they made these like fancy push carts that are amazing and so helpful and so... When I was going through my rants and I kept this going for a while because I didn't want to back down because I, I truly honestly in my heart believe that people use pushcarts were bitches. And so back boy, they ended up sending me a pushcart and I used it as like a joke just to be like you guys are honestly stupid like this is the worst thing ever. And I fell in love with it. I loved it. I loved use it all the time. I'm obsessed with it. I didn't know they made push carts like this. My back feels better. I can like put snacks in there and drinks and like an umbrella. And if it's cold, I can like use a hand warmer. Like they have all of this stuff set up and how did I not know this? How did I not know this? So here's my formal... Apology to all of the people who use push carts that I called bitches. I was so, so wrong. And I apologize so deeply for that because I love my push cart. I love it so much. And no one can take it away from me. <laughs> so inside, what ambitions do you have? This is an interesting question because... <laughs> I don't know if you guys are like this, probably not, because you're probably normal, and I'm realizing that I am just very abnormal. I will meet people, and they have their whole life planned out. They're like, in five years, I'm going to be married and have two kids, and they're going to be named Julia and Tom, and I'm going to be the senior executive of this company, and my husband will be a chef at a five-star Michelin restaurant, and then we're going to buy a house in Napa Valley, and it's like, holy shit. Are you like serious? Like, you know, all this, all this stuff and they do it and it happens. And I'm not like that. Like I just wake up and I'm like, okay, we're alive. (laughs) I'm still kicking. (laughs) Let's get to work. Like, let's do what we want to do. I love what I do. And I feel like my job is the first thing that I've had in my life that I'm motivated about and that I'm excited about and that I'm doing for the right reasons. I think when I was a gymnast and when I was playing golf, I was doing things to make other people happy and for the approval of other people and my entire life has been that. I really didn't even know who I was until I was about... Hmm. Well, I'm 28 now, so should I say 27? Um, <laughs> it's been very recent that I'm starting to feel like I'm coming into my own. And I don't really have things planned out. I don't know what the next five years of my life are going to look like. I don't know what the next 10 years of my life are going to look like. I don't have a lifelong goal that I want to achieve. I think it's just because I don't really know what I want. <laughs> and I'm starting to figure that out more and more I think my only goal or ambition is just to be happy one day, like truly, truly, genuinely happy where I love life and I'm present in the moment and I'm able to appreciate everyone and everything around me and have perspective. So I'm just trying to figure out one step at a time. This is a misconception about me. You only date rich guys or famous guys. Not true, actually. I don't really care for someone who's like rich or famous. Um, It's more about, like, the person and who they are. I think it's, like, famous people I've met are actually kind of difficult and a bit narcissistic. And I think when I do my things, they could, like, battle to a lot of rich or famous men, I think, want to be, like, the center of attention. And I sometimes want to be the center of attention, so I just don't think it would be a good fit for me. (laughs) Are you a model who golfs or a golfer who models? Aha. My most commonly, no, that's not true. My most commonly asked question is, are your tits real? And uh, they are. So next most common question is this one. Are you a model who golfs or a golfer who models? So I golfed first and then got into modeling. So let's say it's that. I was never a model before I got into golf. I wasn't being paid to model when I was a kid or in college. I was always a golfer who just happened to end up modeling because I needed money to buy tees. Do you know you have to buy tees? Like I, when I was down in college, I didn't realize you had to buy tees. And so I had no money and I was picking the range for tees because I could, I didn't have enough money to buy tees. So then I turned to modeling to help pay for it. So I am a golfer who models. <laughs> Next question. The guys that dated you for lessons, was that true? So I told this story on the podcast a while ago where I said in college that guys were only dating me or interested in me for golf lessons. And... It's, I stand by that. That was definitely the case. Not the entire reason why, but I was talking to this one guy, and I basically bribed him to take me on dates by, like, giving him golf equipment. Like, John from SDSU still has my SDSU golf bag, for sure, with my name on it. <laughs> because I was like, hey, like, let's go on a golf date. I'll give you my golf bag. And he was like, well, okay. <laughs> And then there was this other guy who had a girlfriend. He didn't tell me he had a girlfriend. And we would go and hit golf balls, and I was helping his game. And I'd give him free lessons because he was really cute and tall and, like, established in his career. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy is perfect. And I was, like, in love with him. And so I would go and just hang out with him and give him lessons. And he, for the longest time, never told me that he had a girlfriend. And he led me on because he just wanted free golf balls and golf lessons. And then I finally asked him one day and he's like, yeah, I have a girlfriend. You knew that. I was like, no, I did not. And I was mad at him for a long time. (laughs) I don't talk to him anymore. Do you have YouTube for coaching us to play golf, scoring, etiquette, and so on? If not, please make one. Yes, I do have a YouTube channel. All I got to do is Google Paige Sporanic, Um, and the, you, the YouTube bar thing. You can you Google it, Paige Sporanic YouTube, or just go on YouTube and type my name in and my channel will pop up. Um, I We do videos every Thursday, and I think they're pretty good. I think they're getting better and better, so go check it out. I hear you don't like Australian guys. Please tell me I'm wrong. What? I love Australian guys. They have the best accents. I don't know where you heard that. When I was going through all of these Instagram questions, there were so many weird ones. Like, I heard that you like this or I heard this. I'm like, who, where are you hearing this from? Like, I want to know. Like, the rumors that I hear about myself are so crazy crazy people are constantly lying and saying they have like hooked up with me or they've dated me or some guy said that he saw me at a pro event and a girl hit it out of bounds and I I laughed about it which I did not do at all that would be so rude but it's just weird to hear these stories about yourself as if they're so real to some people and they like go around and tell other people this and that just makes me sad. Your experience with your exes. I do not have a relationship with any of my exes except for Dan, the guy who wrote the article about me. We dated for a little bit, did not work out well, but we realized that we were better off as friends and he's like my best friend. But besides that, no, I do not keep in contact with any of them. I had a lot of really bad experiences with exes where they just kind of abruptly left my life and ghosted me or I never really got clarity. But when my Instagram blew up, they all came running back. (laughs) Every single one of them. And they all apologized and wanted to take me out again. I'm like, you guys are dicks. I hate you. No, I don't talk to any of them. Okay. Do you intentionally use your sex appeal for marketing? Yes, I do i do i mean there's (laughs) just nothing more to it again i like the way i look um You guys like the way I look. You're not asking me to change. I don't want to change. I'm only going to be young and hot for a little bit. So I might as well use it to my advantage. And then when I get a little older, then I'll just have to rely on my smarts. But um, I'm building a career also for that reason. I don't always want to be doing... I was being a little bit facetious in the last part. Don't take that seriously. Um, I'm building a career... To the point where I don't have to always rely on my sex appeal, and that's what I'm trying to do through this podcast, through really thoughtful partnerships, through you know like points bet, where I'm able to show off what I know and my knowledge and my media smarts and <laughs> being a, being a really great content creator. And when you know I'm 35. It's not that I'm going to change the way I dress. I think I'm always going to dress sexy and wear skin tight clothes, but I don't want that to be the only thing that my brand is about. I want to be more than that. And so I'm trying to grow it and trying to do things that are um, better and different. And that's also another reason why I don't want to do something like an OnlyFans because it's really hard to progress out of that. <laughs> oh my god, this is exactly what I was talking about. This is one of the questions. I don't know why I screenshot this one and wanted to talk about it, but I'm sure I had a reason behind it. I said, Is it true your lady garden smells like flowers? My mate Dave told me that. Who's telling people that? Why is his mate Dave telling him about my lady garden? Who calls it a lady garden? But it's good that it smells like flowers. That's nice. In college, everyone spread a rumor that I had crab, So my lady garden smelling like flowers is significantly better. So thanks, Dave. I don't know how you know that. It's kind of weird, but I appreciate it. (laughs) How do you handle any negative people? Oh, Uh, how do you handle any negativity people have about you? I would cry about it a lot. And then I would move on. Now I just don't care. I mean, people can only call you a whore so many times before it stops hurting. Like, I literally don't have, like, feelings anymore when people say certain things. because I've just heard it so many times. I still get upset when people talk about my golf game, though. Not gonna lie. That's one thing that really bothers me because I know I'm a good player. And so when people don't believe me, I get really frustrated with that. But call me a whore and I'm like, <laughs> what else are you gonna say? I've already heard that one a hundred times today. Be original. Do you feel content with your life? And if not, what would you like to change? Hmm. Some days I'm really content with my life. Like, I love my dog so much. And Nico honestly gives me, like, purpose to live. <laughs> I know that probably sounds so crazy. Um, so those are the times where I feel content when I'm just, like, going on a walk with my family and Nico. And I realize how lucky I am. I feel guilty for not feeling content with my life because there's no reason why I should be unhappy. I have an amazing job. I'm financially stable. I have amazing parents and amazing family and good friends and a good job. I'm healthy by society standards. I'm attractive. Like, there's when you look at me, there's like, what could you? not be happy with but it's just this like internal battle with myself that i have dealt with my entire life <laughs> how often do you take a break from social media never i literally work 24 7 and i should probably take a break let's do a couple more questions <laughs> i get this one a lot what happened with pxg A lot of people were wondering about that. So I worked with PXG for a little bit. I enjoyed working with them. They were awesome, Bob Parsons. He was so good and so kind to me. But I realized that I would rather be independent when it comes to clubs and I enjoy the fitting process more than just being with one um, club company. I like trying new brands and they're always coming out with new equipment. And I was missing out on that. I wanted to try all the latest drops and I wasn't able to do that. It wasn't that there was anything wrong with PXG. I was also with Callaway and same thing with them. There was nothing wrong with any of their equipment. I still have both of those brands in my golf bag today. I just wanted the ability to try so many different clubs and be able to talk about the fitting process and all of you know the equipment because that's something that's really fun in golf and that I didn't get to do much of and now I get to do a lot of that. What tips do you have for someone just starting to golf? don't be intimidated. Go to the most beat up <laughs> driving range you can find. Go to a place that you know is isn't very stuffy, that you can wear what you want to wear. Uh, there's no judgment. No one's looking at you and that you can go have fun. Remember that it's really tough at first and it gets a lot better once you get into the groove of things. So be patient. Also get lessons right away. If you are able to pay for lessons, get lessons. Do your research and finding a good pro. There's a lot of bad pros out there that could really hurt your game. So do extensive research on the pro that you want to see, because that will make a huge difference in the beginning of the start of your golf career, life, journey, golf journey. Or if you don't have the financial means to do so, then go on YouTube. There's a lot of great instruction out there for free. Like this girl, Paige Renee. She's really good at what she does. Uh, if you don't like her because she likes to over-sexualize herself, then go look at Rick Shields. He has a lot of really great stuff. Mark Crossfield. Um, he's really good. There's a lot of also pro, good pros on Instagram where they give you good drills. My pro Tyler Hall, he does a lot of stuff on his Instagram account, which I think is just Tyler Hall golf. I tag him a lot of stuff. You can go check it out, but there's things out there on the internet and social media that you can find if you uh, can't afford lessons. Also, you can get clubs anywhere. You can buy them secondhand. Um, You don't even also have to buy a full set if you're just starting out. Just buy, like, an 8-iron, and that's all you really need to begin, and then just keep adding to your collection of clubs um, the better you get. You seem like a ditzy blonde, but I think you're smart with good business sense. Yeah, I do think that I am smart. I... My sister is extremely smart. She was on this podcast, so you could probably tell. And I always thought I was so stupid because I grew up with someone who was so incredibly smart. And then I started to do business. And I realized that, nope, my sister is literally a genius. And I'm actually also smart. And that gave me a lot of confidence. And she also has helped me a lot in my business career. And telling me what you know, I should or shouldn't do, how to conduct yourself, what to say, what not to say. So she's been really helpful as well with everything that I have done. I do think I play up the ditzy blonde at times. I also am just a ditzy blonde. I have trouble vocalizing my thoughts. I am not very clear and concise, as you can see on this podcast, I tend to drift off and just start talking about certain things, and I think that definitely hurts me at times. I wish I could just formulate my thoughts and like be very concise about it, which I do not do, and I'm also just a bit silly and weird, and random, and I think that's where the ditzy part comes out, it's just my personality, and I can't really change that, but I think when I'm more in a business setting, I, why did I say it like that, setting, when I'm in a business setting, I do tend to lean more into my strong, confident, business savvy side, and leave the ditzy blonde to my podcast, Last question, how do you make money? So I make my money through social media and I do a lot of brand deals. I will promote products through posts on Instagram, Twitter, not much on TikTok, uh, YouTube. I try not to do many ads on YouTube just because that's more of a fun thing I like to do. But you can still make money through views and engagement so all of my money comes through Instagram. I think people would be surprised with the business that I have built. I have a really big team and there's a lot of people working behind the scenes on what we're doing. And we put a lot of thought and effort into my career and we want this to be long lasting and successful. And so far we have built you know a pretty, pretty good business and I'm shocked. I'm shocked when I came out of college I was voted most likely to be a stripper, (laughs) I had uh, no clear career path, I had no idea what I wanted to do, thought I was going to work at Hooters, (laughs) and um, nothing wrong with that, probably make a lot of money, but again, it's just weird how my life has turned out the way that it has, and that I'm doing what I love to do, and I make pretty good money doing this, and it's a shock to everyone around me, especially in my family but we're doing it and I can't do any of this without you guys. So again, I'm going to be sappy here for a second, but I really want to thank you so much for all of the support, especially with the podcast and YouTube and Instagram and TikTok and Twitter. You guys follow me on so many different platforms and you love my content and it motivates me to be better and to do better and to always challenge myself with being more creative, which I think I need to be better at. I sometimes will get a little stuck with what I'm doing and I'm always trying to do things a little bit differently. So that's like kind of like today's podcast, doing a solo podcast. So if you guys like this solo format, let me know. You can always email us at par at iheartradio.com or send me a message on the playing around Instagram accounts I love interacting with you guys over there. So again, keep following, supporting. I love you guys so much. And thanks for listening to this. uh, I was going to call it an episode, but it was definitely a therapy session um, into my life and what I'm doing and all of the questions that you guys asked me. I am so grateful. Thanks for listening. Bye.
2: Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.